Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and we're moving quickly into this holy, holy day, uh, Christmas Day. Uh, not holy to the world, uh, but holy to the Christian community. And we talked about last year, and I'm going to reiterate it this year. We need to separate the holy day from the holiday, and that does not mean that we can't enjoy the holiday as long as we keep the proper perspective we can find the true joy the true peace the true power of christmas as christians and we can celebrate jesus like never before hallelujah amen every single day of the year praise god well if you have your bible we're going to be talking about a simple subject matter that is so significant, not only to this season, but to every single moment and day and month and year of our life. And that is the fact that a son is given. A son is given. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says it simply but so significantly. For unto us a child is born. A son is given. Now, it's easy to, to focus on the first part of this prophetic scripture about the coming of a Messiah, the coming of a Yeshua, the coming of a Savior that would save us from our sins. For unto us a child is born in every single manger scene. And thank God for them. We see this literally typified and, and pictured in that baby lying in the manger. A child is born. But it's easy, if we're not careful, to look over the reason that child was born, the purpose for which he came, a son is given. This significant but too often sentimentalized truth seems to captivate our focus at Christmas. The Christ child, perfect and pure, lying in a manger. The lyrics of Silent Night reflect this truth so beautifully when it says, Round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. The manger scene is the predominant symbol to reflect the true meaning of Christmas. And so we want to never speak disparagingly of the manger scene. We just don't want to stop with that scene in focus and not see this wonderful truth. A son is given. Not to lie helpless in a cradle, but to hang helpless on a cross then to rise up in triumph at the resurrection. It is not trivial, but it is truthful to say that Mary had a little lamb, the lamb without spot or blemish, set aside from the flock to be offered as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. So this year, this Christmas season, we need to understand that the true meaning of Christmas, we have to look beyond the cradle to the cross. Salvation was in view. When Jesus became incarnate, 
He took on flesh. He became one of us that He might become a Savior for us. If a perfect sacrifice had not been offered, we could not be saved. If a perfect sinless blood was not shed from someone who had never sinned and did it in our behalf, we could not be saved. Friend of mine, every Old Testament sacrifice was typed and foreshadow of Jesus to come. It was fulfilled in Christ when He came and when He died upon the cross and when He rose again. None of those sacrifices would have any meaning. They still had no eternal significance until Jesus came, took our place upon the cross, and those righteous dead, but not ready for heaven dead. Amen. That's a perfect place, and it's going to take people that have been perfected in a way they could never perfect themselves or to enter in. That's why Jesus came and led captivity captive. And the people that were in paradise were not in heaven until Jesus resurrected and ascended and took them back home with him. Praise God. Amen. This is beautiful, powerful, pertinent truth today. Salvation was in view when Jesus became incarnate in flesh. When Mary had that pure, holy child, he came here to seek and to save. He came to go to the cross. He came to be our sacrifice lamb. And God gave him. Not only was a child born on Christmas Day, a son is given. John 3.16, one of the greatest soul-winning scriptures in all of the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Father gave His Son to be offered up. The Son gave His life on the cross. So we, you and I, could be saved. Luke 2.11 says, For unto you the angel's message, For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In order for Jesus to be our Savior, our Sovereign, had to become our sacrifice, atoning for our sins. Christmas, therefore, is most certainly about the cross, even more than the cradle. Of course, if there hadn't been Jesus in the cradle, He could have never went to the cross, but He did not come to lay in the cradle. Evoke sentimental feelings when we see that beautiful scene. He was on His way. That cradle was the first step and stage of His journey to the cross. You'll rarely, if ever, see a cross on a Christmas card, yet it would be more than appropriate to captivate the true cost of the greatest gift that was ever given. Second Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be unto God for His un." speakable gift. Some translate that as 
inexpressible, indescribable, a gift words cannot describe, unspeakably precious. Here I am today trying to describe a gift that no one can truly adequately describe. But if we can just begin to see some of it today, it can transform our life so that Christmas Day is is not one of those things that we look forward to, but we're so give out and, and burn out by the time it's over. We're glad. We want to see it coming, but we're glad to see it go. I'm reminded of the humorous story. I was, uh, Christmas was approaching. A little boy, of course, had his mind on Christmas, and, and his mother was teaching him how to recite the Lord's Prayer. He got to the part of the Lord's Prayer, and he was really thinking about what's Santa was going to bring him when when Christmas Day arrived. And, and he got to the part where it said, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And instead he said, Forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Maybe that prayer may be appropriate when we fail to separate the holy day from the holiday. And we get all bent out of shape and get caught up in the hustle and the bustle. Oh, friend, I want you to know I, I love the holiday. I love the, the food of Christmas. I love the, I, I love to see people uh, uh, saying Merry Christmas when they don't feel like it's too politically incorrect to do it. It's a wild thing out there when the name of Christ, even in such a commercialized holiday to the world, still strikes fear in the heart of the enemy. He knows, he knows full well the power of that name and the purpose of this baby and what was accomplished at the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. It's time we got a hold of that and got a hold of it enough to be stirred deep in our soul. We need to see that the cradle was the first step toward the cross. The cross was in view when Jesus was laying in that cradle. Someone said, Look well upon this rugged cross and fix it in your mind that in the midst of Christmas joys the cross of Christ you find. For all our celebration at Christmas time this year, unless it centers in the cross, will give no lasting cheer. Oh, friend, I really believe that. I believe that the joy of Christmas, the peace of Christmas, the person of Christmas, the power of Christmas, the purpose of Christmas is something that every Christian should enjoy and employ every day of our life. Hallelujah. A son has been given. Second Peter 1 and 3 is said, According to His divine power, hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You see, the supreme issue of faith is not getting God to give us our request. 
but to receive His provision. I love Romans 8 and verse 32. I call it the logic of the cross. And if we get a hold of this, I believe our faith is going to expand. I believe our faith is going to explode. I believe that we're going to believe God like we have never believed God when we understand what it means to have this gift from His heart, from His desire to show His love and and for Christ to love us enough to stay on the cross. I want you to know He was not... He looked like a victim. And in one sense, He was. He was a victim of, of the hatred and the animosity first of Satan and then through people. Oh, friend. But He did not have to spend one moment on that cross if He had not committed to in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he said, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to save fallen men and women, boys and girls, just like you and just like me. Father, if there's any other way, and I want you to know this wasn't an easy thing for him. The Bible said his soul was sorrowful even unto the death. He knew what was coming. When I talk about that, most of us think of the pain, the agony of the beating, the brutality, the, the tortured death that he went through when they nailed him to that, that, that wooden cross. But what he, was, what, he was, what he was going to experience on that cross caused him consternation like you and I cannot imagine and it began in the garden of Gethsemane Abba Father he cried if there's any other way let this cup pass from me in other words if there's another way to save man other than me going to the cross shedding my blood giving my life if there's any other way any other way let the cup pass You see, he was going to die as a man forsaken of God. Fulfilling the scripture in Isaiah 53, it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? When we saw him, there's nothing that we should desire him, for we did consider him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Surely He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we were healed. We are healed today. Hallelujah. Therefore I will appoint unto Him a portion with the great. For God hath laid on him, listen, all we like sheep have gone astray. God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Therefore, I will appoint unto him a portion with the great. I will lift him up. I will magnify him. I will glorify him. You see, God loved you enough 
to give His Son. Christ loved you enough to stay on the cross. Remember when they came for Jesus? Peter drew his sword and he went to defend Jesus and cut one of the guards' ear off. Jesus reached down and took the ear and put it back on him and immediately it reattached and the bleeding stopped. (laughs) And Jesus demonstrating his power, he simply said, put your sword up, Peter. (laughs) In other words, I don't need you to defend me with that puny sword. If my kingdom was of this world, I would call the armies of heaven to deliver me. But he was set to go to the cross in our behalf. He made the decision in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went there knowingly and willingly in order to save you and me. And by the way, those nails did not hold him to that cross. You know what held him on the cross? If it wasn't nails, what was it? He, he could have called the armies of heaven. He could have come off of that cross. He could have destroyed this whole world. But he didn't. He didn't. He stayed on it until the sin debt was paid in full. Friend, no wonder the Bible calls the gift of Christ to us and the gift of His self to us, His suffering, His agony, His pain, Oh, friend, no wonder it's called the unspeakable gift. And no wonder what it has produced is called in Scripture the unsearchable riches of Christ. I believe we'll be 10,000 years in heaven. We will not have gotten over it. What He has done in our behalf will still be something that we're trying to fully appreciate, understand. And we will never, ever throughout all eternity, therefore, stop praising Him. We won't take it for granted for one moment of eternity, for we will know (laughs) every day when we see Him. You know, the Bible said that when He rose from the dead, that He had the nail prints in His hand. And I believe in heaven that he will still bear the scars, but they will be beautiful in our sight. Praise God, because he took all of that because he loved you and me that much. Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely also Give us all things. How could we doubt for one moment that God would withhold any good thing from you or me as His children, seeing that He's given His only begotten Son to save us? He has commended His love to us by the gift of His Son and His death on the cross. That's the logic of the cross. How will he not? How could he not? How could he say no to anything that he has promised and anything that he has purposed for you and for me? Praise God. Romans six 
23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, I don't believe that anyone can truly appreciate the gift of eternal life until they fully understand the wages of sin. This death is not merely physical, temporal death of the body, but it's the eternal banishment and punishment of body and soul forever. Matthew ten twenty eight. listen, Do not fear them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You say, oh, pastor, it's Christmas. You shouldn't be talking about the wrath of God. You, you shouldn't be talking about eternity separated from God. Friend of mine, that's why Jesus came. That's why he laid in that cradle so he could grow up and go to that cross because it's not God's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance, that all have everlasting life. Friend of mine today, yes, it is appropriate. You cannot appreciate the grace of God until you understand the wrath of God. You can't appreciate what you've been saved to, therefore, until you fully appreciate and understand what you have been saved from. I love the sentiment in Walt Mill's song years ago that he sang, If the walls were not jasper, if the streets were not gold, if mansions should crumble, and if people still grew old, Still I'd see everything that my soul longs to see. For if Jesus is there, it will be heaven for me. Where Jesus is will be heaven for me. I fully intend to see those gates of pearl, those streets of transparent gold, the jasper and the, all of the different precious stones that make up the foundations of this city. But my eyes are going to look for the one that took my place on the cross, saved me from a devil's hell and an eternity of banishment and punishment. Oh, friend, I, I owe him more than, than, than all eternity could ever repay as his servant. In fact, Amen. I'm serving Him now because I fully understand and appreciate where I would have been. That's why the Bible, the songwriter said, based on the Scripture, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you took me from and where I might have been. Amen. We need that curtain roll back. We need to see where God found us. We need to understand what if Jesus had not come? What if he had not consented to go to the cross? What if he had called the armies of heaven to take him off that cross? Oh, friend of mine, where would we be? Where would we spend eternity? But isn't it so good to know this Christmas season 
that you have been saved if you're a Christian. And isn't it good to know that if you're not a Christian, that you can be saved. Praise God. You don't have to fear the judgment to come if you repent of your sin and receive the gift of salvation. You know, the Bible said, By grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. A son, you see, is given. And because Jesus was given as a gift to us while we were yet sinners, God commended His love to us in the fact that Jesus died on the cross in our behalf. And this Christmas, God loves you enough to forgive your sin if you re repent of it, receive Christ as your Savior. He loves you enough to forgive every sin that you've ever committed and bring you into His royal family, seal you with the Holy Spirit, write your name down in the Lamb's book of life. And while you're yet here alive upon the earth, record you as a citizen of the holy city, the new Jerusalem in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gift of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus today, like never, ever before. Hallelujah. Amen. I, 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 you know, I, I've been saved for all of these years. I was, I was 12 years old when I first gave my heart to the Lord. My mother and father went through a, a, a terrible divorce, and I got bitter at both of them. I loved them both, and when they began to speak ill of each other, it tore my heart in pieces. And that bitterness took me away from God, and I became part of the rebellious crowd. It, in, 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 really, it started when I was 12 years old, and, but really kicked in when I was in junior high and high school. I was known as a troublemaker. I was known as someone who got in trouble. Of course, trouble back then didn't, didn't seem like real trouble compared to the troubles our children face today and can get into today. In fact, the Dean of Girls, when I started going with my dear wife now, of whom, we're, who, of whom we have been happily married together for, for 56 years, going on 57. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. When I started going steady with Pamela, the Dean of Girls called her in and said, you better, you better think twice before uh, getting involved with that young man. He is nothing but trouble. Oh, my friend, I am so glad I came to Christ when I did. I'm so glad that our marriage survived uh, the, the sins that we were into before we both accepted Christ as our Savior. I want you to know there's victory in Jesus today. There's no one so lost He can't find you. There's no one so sin-sick he can't heal that poison of sin that is in your veins. Amen. He can neutralize it with the, with the antidote for it, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ today. Thank God for the gift of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, whose sacrificial death on the cross made it possible 
to escape the judgment to come and to live forever in the place that He has prepared for us. Because the Savior is a gift, salvation is a gift. And because salvation is a gift, we can receive the gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. We can be right with God, not sinlessly perfect, but perfectly saved. If we repent of our sin, receive Christ as our Savior, and keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Praise God. Uh, There's no looking back. There's nothing in this world. If you get a hold of this, the world uh, will lose its pull on you. There will be nothing in this world that is more precious to you than what Jesus is to you and what God the Father is to you and what the Holy Spirit is to you. Oh, friend of mine, if you want to overcome the tempter's snares, amen, and the weakness of your own flesh, feed your spirit on the great truth of Christmas. For God so loved that He gave His only begotten. And you know when He gave Him, if you want to trace it back, He didn't just give Him when He come to lie in the manger. That was a manifestation of something in God's plan from creation. The Bible speaks of Jesus as the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. You know what God did? God said, I'm going to make a world, I'm going to make man to inhabit that world, that garden, that perfect place. I'm going to give him something that is just like me, part of my image. I'm going to give him a sovereign will that he can choose. I'm going to tell him to choose the right thing, to not do the wrong thing, but I'm going to allow him this freedom of choice by giving him a free will. But in giving him a free will, if he makes the wrong choice, I've got a plan. I've got a plan in place. (laughs) I've got a plan in place to save him from himself, to save him from his sin, to save him from his great enemy, Satan. Friend of mine, I want you to know that plan was Jesus. And the plan hasn't changed. It's called the plan of salvation. And I'm bringing it to you today by the help and the grace of Almighty God. I urge you, if you don't know Jesus, that you might come to know Him, that you will repent of your sin, that this might be the greatest Christmas that you have ever celebrated and you will ever celebrate. For it will be the Christmas season that you passed from death to life, that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. Come to Him. Receive the gift that God has given. For a son has been given for you and for me and for the whole world. But you've got to receive this gift by faith. So run to him 
don't run from him. And Christian, I want you to rejoice this Christmas. Rekindle, if it needs to be rekindled, rekindle the fire of the first love. And make this a Christmas to remember every single day till either Jesus comes or we go home. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.